glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. We're just going to read a few short verses here, five verses, verses 38 through 42. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Um, As I have lived out the Christian life, and many of you have for some years, I find patterns in my own life that life brings challenges. They test you. They test your faith. They test your spiritual maturity, and whatever tests they are, they are tests because they are there to prove where we're at and to help improve us. Inevitably, when the test comes, it can it can throw you sideways. I don't know what better term to use. It can mess with your mind and think, what am I doing wrong? Uh, and what happens is in the midst of these tests, I can get focused on all the things going on around. And inevitably, every time I get help in my Christian life, the Lord brings me back to this. Listen to my word. Trust what I say. Follow my instruction. That's the Christian life. You get saved. When you put your trust in Christ, He gives you eternal life. We begin to learn to walk. And the Christian walk is letting Him tell me how to live. When I'm a disciple, what happens is the will of the Master becomes the it becomes the primary and sole influence of my life. What happens is his will determines my decisions. That's the disciple master relationship. Let me just kind of back up a little bit. How many of us think of this? Um, I remember a relative of mine before she got married said that her and her fiance, future husband, had decided that in marriage they would never fight. Now, I believe it's right to not fight with your mate. Don't misunderstand me. But even to the point of we're not going to have disagreements. We're just, we are going to have a kind of marriage where we don't argue. We don't fight. Now, I don't mean this mean, but every person she told that to laughed. Because we knew this individual, and that's just not the way life worked at present, right? And so unless one of them was mute and blind, and dead, basically, there was going to be disagreement. How I many you know the idea, and it may not be that extreme for us, but a lot of times when people are going to get married, they have an expectation of what that marriage is going to look like, and it does not include conflict. Because when you're thinking about marrying each other, you're not marrying each other because you're in conflict. But the fact is, a good marriage is not a marriage free of conflict. Do we all understand that? In fact, a good marriage is one that knows and learns how to love one another enough to overcome the conflict. That's just a fact. Sometimes we get the same idea with discipleship and surrender to the Lord. 
that good discipleship, there's never any static between the master and the disciple. This isn't biblical. (laughs) It's just not biblical. Because the master has one mind and we often have another. May I say this? I heard a man say years ago, and I'm not I'm not going to get into philosophy. It's just a truth. This is just a fact. In relationships, one of the one of the most detrimental things is this matter of expectation. What I expect from the other person that I'm in the relationship with, or what I think they expect of me, often becomes a problem, especially talking about marriage. Uh, but even parents and children, the children have an expectation of the parents. The parents have an expectation of the children. May I say this? The, the relationship of master and disciple is not an exception to this. Many times we get out of sorts with our Lord because we think he expects things of us that he actually does not. I heard a man point out one time in a devotion or a person point out, I remember it was a man or a woman who either read it or heard it, was pointing out the fact that at one point in time, the Lord Jesus, and I think it's in Luke chapter 10, earlier in the chapter, where the Lord Jesus is called upon by someone to divide an inheritance between he and his brother. And the Lord wouldn't do it. He said, it's not what I came to do. Now, I don't know of anybody more qualified to judge over an inheritance and how it should be divided than the Lord Jesus Christ. But he refused to touch it. He would not take on that responsibility because that's not what he came to do. It's very important for us to get clear in our minds what the will of the Lord is for our life and just do that. I'm reminded tonight that in Matthew chapter uh, 11, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. If the if you are sincerely seeking to serve the Lord, and that's if you're not here tonight sincerely seeking to serve the Lord, then you need to get right with God. That's all I'll say. If you claim to be a Christian and you're in a church on Sunday night and you're not actually trying to obey God, you need to get something right. So I'm going to say that at the onset. If you're unsaved, you need to let the Lord save you. If you're saved but you're carnal, you need to repent. I'll just say it in as clear terms as I can. If you are not wholeheartedly trying to serve the Lord... I would just say, what in the world are you doing in church? I don't mean unkindly. I'm just saying that's what Christianity is, is is seeking to serve the Lord because he saved me. I am serving him out of gratitude. So the rest of the message I'll preach to those many in these pews tonight who are sincerely desirous to serve the Lord. And I'm going to take it for granted that's the majority of people in this room tonight, and it could be everybody. I hope it is. But those who say, you know what, I actually, I do appreciate what he did for me when he died for my sins. I do know he loves me, and at some level, I know I can love him more, but I do love him, and I actually have some concern about obeying him. That's a good thing, amen? If so, then we need to be clear in our mind as to what is important to him. Uh, And we need to get clear what kind of expectation he has of us. And may I say this, if we can get this one thing down here tonight, you can succeed as a Christian in living the Christian life. One thing. And so then I, I pray and hope that this will be clear to us this evening and might give us some clarity. Uh, the Lord knows how he wishes to apply what's going to be preached to each one of our lives. So then, uh, let's, let's look at these verses again. Verses 38 through 42, all right? Uh, now, it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving 
and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Um, we'll try to illustrate this in just a moment. Let me give you, give you three things tonight regarding Martha that I believe we can learn from. Something I've been helped with in my, in my study of this text at this occasion. Generally, when we look at this, immediately we are ready to run Martha down the road because she got careful and troubled about many things. And why did she do that? Did she not know she needs to sit and listen to the Lord? And I read a couple of men who wrote, and it was well to read what they had to say. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, is there not? And they said, here's a woman that clearly loved the Lord. And it's true. Here's a woman that, yes, she gets needs correction, but how many times can we assume that if she perfectly loved the Lord, she would have been sitting at Jesus' feet as Mary? Well, Mary had made the better choice. There's no doubt about it. But when you study the character of Martha, and that's our first point is Martha's character, you'll find that this is a woman that had a good relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can say that on the authority of God's word, Martha, and this is a theme, if you would, today, by the Lord's choosing, I just assume, Martha was extremely honest with Christ. When Jesus, when Jesus didn't show up, when her brother died, and John, we have three accounts, so far as I can tell, of Mary and Martha, three separate accounts, and of the Lord being in their home in Bethany, you have Luke 10, John 11, and John 12, those three various accounts, and so John, uh, Luke 10, we're here. John 11, Lazarus gets sick and dies. Jesus intentionally does not come and heal him because he's going to raise him from the dead. When the Lord Jesus shows up, Martha says, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. She told him exactly what she thought. I don't believe it was disrespectful. I believe it was honest. May I say this? If you walk with the Lord, there are going to be times that his decisions disappoint you. By the way, don't we get this in human leadership? Parents that love their children, their children at some point in time will be disappointed with the parents' decisions. If not, the parents aren't doing their job. Husbands that love their wives at times are going to have to say no and the wife is going to be disappointed with a husband's decision. Pastors who do their jobs at times are going to have to make a decision that are going to disappoint people because we don't always agree and sometimes... Even in human leadership, leadership has to make decisions that are disappointing to us because they're right. Well, if that's true with humans, how much more with our Lord? And so Jesus had made a decision in John chapter 11 that disappointed both Mary and Martha. Here's where we err, is when we're disappointed with the Lord's decision-making in our life, we know we shouldn't be because He's always right. Now, we, we, are, we have good reason to be disappointed with human leadership from time to time, but we know it's not right with the Lord, so sometimes we lie and pretend we're happy when we're not. Sometimes we go to the Lord and we pretentiously say, Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for loving me. Deep in our hearts we think, I do not understand why you're not answering my prayer. I do not understand why you've delayed to give me what I asked you for. I'm questioning what's going on, but we don't say it to him. 
We flatter him with our lips and lie to him and tell him, oh, praise be to your holy name for your great salvation. And we, that's not what we're thinking in our heart. We're thinking, I have asked you for three months for something or three years or ten years and I'm getting nothing and I don't understand. I believe that that's what you feel in your heart toward God. You need to be honest. You may be flat out wrong, but you need to be honest with God. I believe today, I say it again tonight as I said this morning, honesty is the key to revival because honesty is the key to humility. I believe there's only one reason any of us can be proud and that's because we're deceived. (laughs) Any one of us. And I say this about Martha. Martha had some things that she needed corrected, but I never see Martha responding incorrectly to the Lord's correction. She said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. John chapter 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he are dead, yet shall he live. Believest thou this? Lord, I know that in the resurrection, he said, I am the resurrection. You know what Martha did? He said, roll away the stone. She said, Lord, by now he stinks. Some of us say, why don't she just shut up? Because she trusts him to enough, enough to tell him what's on her heart. Does that make sense? I'm not, I am not encouraging you, and you know this, to be disrespectful to the Lord. I'm not encouraging you to be uh, questioning of the Lord. I'm saying Martha had a, a trusting enough relationship to the Lord that she could tell him the truth of her heart, knowing that if she was wrong, he would set her straight. May I say this? Sometimes the reason we don't tell the Lord the truth is because we're afraid he'll correct us. And we don't want correction. I was praying about and possibly considering preaching a message tonight on a wise son And one of the characteristics or marks of a wise son is he hears his father's instruction. It's interesting to me. The Lord didn't give me liberty to preach that message, but Martha fits the bill. I understand she's a daughter, but she fits the bill. She's a laborer. She listens to the father's correction. She is ready to receive. I'm trying to point out tonight, this is not a woman of ill character. This is a Christian woman. And I hope God can help us tonight get a clear picture that a right relationship with God doesn't mean I never need corrected. It means when I need corrected, I accept it the way I should. It means that I'm willing to let God correct me. In fact, I'm only willing to let him. I expect it. That's part of the relationship. And so in Martha's character, we see, first and foremost, she was a saint. By that I mean she's a child of God. She's a believer. She's a disciple. In verse 38 of Luke chapter 10, she clearly had faith in the Master. The Bible says in verse 38, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village... And a certain woman named Martha did what? Received him into her house. If you study Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they not only believed in the Lord, he cost them something. There was talk of trying to kill Lazarus over the fact that Jesus had raised him from the dead. Why you try to kill a man that's already been raised from the dead doesn't make sense to me, but they talked of it. And the fact they welcomed Jesus into their home the week before his crucifixion. These people were the real deal. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus kept their doors open to Jesus Christ any time he was in Bethany, and that's where he would resort to. What What a privilege to be the kind of person that the Lord knows, if ever I have need for what you have, it's available to me. The Bible says she received him into her house. Knowing that there was trouble surrounding him, she received him into her. This is in the midst of persecution. She receives him into her house. It was a safe haven for him to be. He knew he was welcome in Martha's home. This is a woman 
of faith in the master. Number two, she was a woman who had fellowship with the master. Go, if you would, to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 5. Now, we know that the Lord loves the world because he died for it. But there's different types of love, is there not? There is a special love that God has for his own children. There is the, for God so loved the world. But there is the love that is a love of fellowship, and that's what's discussed or what's dealt with in John chapter 11. In the context, you'll see that John 11, verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Obviously, the fact that, of course, he loved them, but this is a unique and special love. These three siblings had a unique relationship with the Lord. It wasn't everywhere. He went and stayed and was given hospitality but that's what he had at their place. It's John eleven thirty five. The Bible says Jesus wept. You know why he wept? Because Mary and Martha were weeping. There's two times in Scripture the Bible records that Jesus wept. One was over the city of Jerusalem because they would not repent at God's call. And the other was over Mary and Martha when their brother died. You, I'm t- they had fellowship. Again, we might get the idea, if you're that close to the Lord, he should never have to correct you. Nonsense. Nonsense. What happens is we get our focus wrong. We get our focus out of kilter and then we need correction. And so here's a woman, her character, she's a saint. She has faith in the master. She has fellowship with the master. John chapter 12, after John 11, he's in their home again, dining and being served by you-know-who, Martha. So she's a saint. Number two, she's a servant. We won't turn there. We will before the message is over. But in John chapter 12, 1 and 2, the Bible says that Jesus entered into the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Martha, what's it say she did? Served. You know what service is? It's work. <laughs> Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. You know what Martha was? She's a servant. When Jesus, this is a woman, when he showed up, she's got water ready, she's got food ready, she's a woman given to hospitality. The Lord Jesus is welcome in her home anytime. Anything he wants done is at his disposal, and she is going to serve him when he's there. Can you fault that? She's a servant. She wants to, to do the master's work. She wants to give her best. She's a servant. Number three, she's a steward. She's a good steward. The Bible says she opened her house to whom? And whose house was it? It wasn't Lazarus' house. It wasn't Mary's house. It would seem very likely she's the eldest sibling. This is Martha's house. Why? I don't know. But it wasn't Lazarus's and it wasn't Mary's. It's Martha's. And so she chose, I welcome Jesus Christ in my home. That's good stewardship. To use your resources to bestow on the master. Mary had the, Mary had the same testimony. Mary didn't have a house. All she had was a box of spikenard. And they both poured what they had on Christ. What is that in thine hand? God asked Moses. It was just a stick. But God wanted that shepherd's rod used for God's work. Whatever God's put in your hand tonight, good stewardship, is to use it in his service. Using it to bestow on his body. That would be the local church, by the way. Amen? And so then Martha's character. She's a saint. She's a servant. She's a good steward. But then in verses 39 and 40, this serving saint 
is going to get in some trouble. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet. And what did Mary do at Jesus' feet? And heard his word. Now, this is complicated, but these are such simple things we miss them in the text. If Martha or Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet hearing his word, what does that mean Jesus is doing? He's speaking. He's obviously speaking long enough that you can't just stop for two seconds or 30 seconds and, oh, that was interesting what he said. He's giving a prolonged speech because Mary had to sit at his feet to take it in. So Mary's not just sitting there twiddling her thumbs, enamored with Christ. He's actually talking. He has something to say. And so then, that's that's what Mary's doing. This is Martha's counterpart. We're considering now, we've seen Martha's character. Now I want to see her carefulness. And under her carefulness, we start with Mary. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing his word, verse 40. But Martha, but Martha. It's almost like that word but is there to say, Mary was doing this, but not Martha. Christ is speaking. He has something important to say. He is in their home. He's talking. Mary is listening intently to Christ. But Martha, the Bible says, was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. We see her counterpart, but then I want you to see Martha's cumbrance. What does the word cumbered mean? The word means this, to drag all around, to distract with care. Don't miss that. To do what with care? To distract with care. I think distraction is one of the most subtle forms of opposition that Satan has for us. I really do. I think if you study the book of Ezra and you study the books of Nehemiah, you'll see how the enemy of our soul uses distraction to get us out of God's will. Distraction means I simply am not focused on what I'm supposed to be focused on. May I say this? Confess your faults one to another. I am a master at distraction. If my mother could come and testify to you, she would say, the first six grades of Nevin's school were a nightmare. Not because I was stupid, but because I was distracted. Now, for me, it was slothfulness, not for Martha. Martha was not distracted because she was slothful. Martha was distracted because she was a servant. May I ask you something? How much work can and should be done for the Lord? How many things could a person get involved in for Christ? It's infinite. There's people everywhere and he wants everyone to have the gospel. There are nations who've never heard the gospel. How many nations could we go to? Look, none of us can be in two places at one time, right? It's very important for us to not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Martha's in there, I believe, assuming that Jesus would be very pleased with all that she's doing for him. Now, you'll notice in the, in the book of Acts, I've pointed out to you before, after Paul and Barnabas go on their missionary journey, they came back and reported all what? That the Lord had done with them. They did not come back and report all they had done for him. We're in a world that glories in activity. You know, and I, don't misunderstand. This is not, God will never put a premium on being lazy. Slothfulness is sin. How, some of us, may I say this, if we look at this text and say, well, the Lord was okay with Mary being slothful, then where are Martha? She was not being lazy. She had her priorities in place. Got a question. How many of us know that the way, okay, 
is working a job, getting a paycheck so I can put food on my table, a roof over my family's head, and clothes on their back. Is that work God has given me to do? It is. So it doesn't matter if that work is being an automotive mechanic. It doesn't matter if that work is um, being a janitor or being a CEO of a company. Whatever work God's put in your hand, we're supposed to work to provide for our own. But how many of us could get so caught up with doing that responsibility. Well, I want to do my best for the Lord. I want to take good care of my family. That we actually get distracted and neglect listening to Him. And you can just fill in the blank with all the things we might do. Martha's doing something very practical. She's working, most likely preparing a meal for the Savior because that's what she could do and it's what she wanted to do for Him. But she has the idea that that's what He wants her to do and that's where she's wrong. Her expectation of what she thought was his expectation of her was assumed, not commanded. She took too much upon herself, if you would. And so her cumbrance, she is distracted with care. She is concerned about getting that done and getting that done and preparing this. And maybe the beds were needing to be prepared on another portion of the house. I don't know. Jesus brought 12 men with him. You got 13 grown men in the house that you got to take care of. That produces a lot of care. Does it not? And Martha is so concerned about what she's doing for him that she's not concerned about what he wants to do with her. Don't miss the simplicity, but the seriousness of that. God does not want us doing great exploits for him. He wants us to do his will. Plus nothing, minus nothing. I am a faithful servant when I've done all those things that have been commanded me to do. And so then Martha is cumbered about with what? Much serving. She is, she is drugged down, meaning her service is now controlling her instead of her being in charge of her service. She is so under the bondage of serve, 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 serve. So by the way, is this a believer? Yes. People sometimes call people like her today legalists. She was not a legalist. She did not think preparing a meal for Jesus would save her. She loved him because he was the Savior and she wanted to do good things for him. But what happened is she got her focus on what? What was Martha's focus on right here? The Lord or her work? Her work. What he was to her and what he was saying to her or what she was doing for him. She had a completely different attitude about God's word than Mary did. At this moment, Mary believed God's word was a directive for her life. Mary believed God's word was a way to get things done, Martha, that she wanted done. (laughs) If I can just get God to speak on my behalf, I'll get Mary to do what I want her to do. (laughs) See see the different perspective of the Lord and his his word? And so then we see her her counterpart, that's Mary, her cumbrance, her complaint is seen here in verse 40. It says, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him, That was the right thing to do, by the way. And said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Why did she ask the Lord if he didn't care? Because she thought he didn't care. Here I am wearing myself out for you, and you let her sit there and do nothing. I want to tell you something. When our spirit gets out of sorts with the Lord, we're going to get out of sorts with other people. Truth? You know what? You know why Mary was ang- or Martha was angry with Mary? Where was her real problem? With the Lord. 
She knew who the authority in the room was, did she not? She knew who had the power and the ability to change her circumstance so that she was not so burdened. And so, she does the appropriate thing. She goes and tells the Lord what to tell Mary. This is role reversal, is it not? We humans are excellent at role reversal. Children are good at telling parents what to do. Wives are good at telling husbands what to do. Husbands and men are good at telling their bosses what to do. Citizens are good at telling their government what to do. That's not a popular... It's truth. We are good at role reversal. And Christians are good at telling the Lord what He needs to do. We got it all figured out. I am supposed to do all of these things and then I enlist the Lord to make sure that my agenda gets carried out. Let me ask a question. How concerned was the Lord about all that Martha was doing? It was not His concern. Lord, please fill our building this Sunday. Lord, please, look... You know what? I would love to see our bus filled. But you know what I believe? If God wants it filled, He'll direct us and enable us to see it filled with children. You know what I know He wants us to do right now? Go out and visit those kids and their families every week and run the bus every Sunday. And if it never gets filled, we'll do that until Jesus comes. Until He says, stop, one of the two. We're not going to say, God, please, we're doing this for you. No, I believe He directed us to run a bus. I believe he directed us to go out and knock on doors. People say, does the door-knocking ministry work? Well, it depends on how you measure it. We were told to preach the gospel to every creature. I say we're succeeding because we're doing it. You know how I don't have a better way to get the gospel to people than show up at their door and say, hey, can we talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ? And why anybody have trouble with that? I have no idea. <laughs> you with me? I don't get it. Why we have trouble that unless we have a different agenda than what God is doing. Are people getting saved by the droves? No. Are they coming to church by the droves? No. But we're succeeding because we're doing what He told us. Sometimes we're trying to get Him to do what we want done. We can have sorts. We do it in our homes. We do it in our personal lives. And Martha is cumbered with much service because she has an objective that He never had. Do not ask God to help you bear a burden He didn't give you to bear. Truth? He won't do it. It's His yoke that's easy. It's His burden that's light. And often we're trying to pull a burden He never gave us to pull. And so then we've just... What we see with Martha, she is she is uh, complaining because she's distracted. We see the direction of her complaint. Thankfully, she does the right thing. She doesn't go to Mary and say, Why don't you get your lazy self up and help me? Now, I have an opinion why she didn't do that. I think she knew the Lord didn't want her to do that. <laughs> I think she knew the Lord well enough that if she comes and murmurs at her sister, she's going to get a pretty sharp rebuke. So she goes to where she knows she needs to go anyway. She takes it to the Lord. and Because she, she knew that Mary would obey the Lord, by the way. So, Lord, do you not care? Here I am working my fingers to the bone. Here I am wearing myself out trying to serve you. And she's not. I am bearing a great burden. She's bearing no burden. It seems to me that you should equally distribute the load of responsibility you've given us. Oh, but wait, you didn't give it. <laughs> I pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into the harvest field. But don't ask the Lord, and I should not ask the Lord, and you should not ask the Lord to bless our agendas by calling people into our objectives. We're not supposed to call God into fulfilling our objectives for Him. He has objectives and He wishes us to simply do what He wants. That's the proper order. So the direction of her complaint to the Lord, the displeasure in her complaint, she's displeased with Him because He thinks He doesn't care. She's displeased with Mary because she thinks 
she doesn't care, self-pity is a sign of spiritual disease. Self-pity is a form of pride. Woe is me, I'm the only faithful Christian. I'm the only one giving. I'm the... You know, I'm probably the only one around here that actually gets what it's all about. I, I'm probably the one that ser- is the only sincere lover of God. You remember, do you remember an Old Testament character that got into that frame of thinking? His name was Elijah. And Elijah, when pursued by Jezebel, thought that he was the only prophet. There were 7,001 of them at least, and he thought he was the only one. Elijah was a good man that loved God, fellowship with God, was directed by God, used of God in a mighty way. But he fell into a false perspective because Elijah got his focus where? On himself, on his troubles, on how difficult it is to live for God. He got his focus on Jezebel. Everywhere but on the one who was providing for him. And I said, I remember, I remember as a youth in my adolescence, I remember being warned by preachers, don't get your focus on people. Don't get your focus on troubles. You must remember who the Lord is and keep your focus on Him. If not, you're going to get frustrated. Now I say this, I, I love being in the ministry. People say, oh, you must love people. Well, I do love people because I'm in the ministry. I'm supposed to love people. But I would not consider myself a people person. I have to work at that. But you know, I'm in the ministry because that's what the Lord wants me to do. And if you're going to be in the ministry, look, it has to be for Him. For Him. People will always disappoint you. One of the reasons people will disappoint you is because people fail. One of the other reasons people disappoint you is because we have expectations of them that the Lord does not. You know why Martha was disappointed with Mary? Because she thought what Mary was doing was wrong when the Lord said what Mary was doing was right. Many times when people don't agree with our agenda, we think, well, I know what I'm doing is for God, so if you're not involved, you must not love God. Isn't that where Martha was at? Lord bid her that she help me. And so then we see her the direction of her complaint. Thankfully, she took it to the Lord. The displeasure in her complaint, she's displeased with the Lord. She's displeased with her sister. Uh, may I say this? If we are constantly frustrated at other disciples, generally it's not all the other disciples that have the problem. Just truth, isn't it? You've heard the old story about Limburger cheese on the lip. I know some people that undoubtedly carry spiritual Limburger on the lip because everywhere they go, everyone around them is wrong. Everyone, always, because people are not on board with them. Truth, when we get there, the problem lies within, and so the Lord dealt with Martha. We'll see that in a moment. So we see her direction goes to the direction of her complaint the displeasure in her complaint. But notice this. This ought to really signal us, ah, Martha got out of kilter. She's out of the way. And that is the, the directive in her complaint. Look what she says in verse 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, so she doing more than she ought to have been, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Would you please bid her to help me? Is that what she says? She commands the Savior. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Now, before we're too hard on Martha, sometimes we do the same in our prayer. Lord, would you please today do this? And would you do this? I've had seasons of time in my prayer 
where I know something's wrong because I'm praying and in my spirit, I don't know any other way to say it, I am hitting a block wall. And it is, though, it is as though the Lord, of course you know it's not audible, but it is as though the Lord says, now wait a minute, who's directing who here? Prayer is not about us getting the ability to direct God. Prayer is about getting us to the point where he can direct us. I think we misunderstand that. The charismatics teach prayer is you basically overpowering God so that he has to do what you want. I got news for you, friend. That concept is not in the Bible. Yeah, when Jesus says, whatsoever you will, if you ask in my name, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. He's talking about when we are compliant with his will. If we ask anything that he wants, well, of course he'll do that. The problem is getting us to where we want his will. Martha is telling Jesus, I resent the fact that Mary is sitting at your feet not helping me do what I'm doing for you, and I resent the fact that you're loving her. Now, I would bid her to come help me. Anytime we get into commanding the master, we're out of order. <laughs> Lord, you've got to fix this. You've got to look. No, that's, that's backwards. So we see her directive in her complaint. Now, I'll just say this. I'll commend her again. She didn't go complain to Lazarus. She didn't say that, that Mary. She's been lazy since she was three. There she sits in there. Here I am working myself to death. Martha was in the habit of communicating with the Savior. And so when she had a problem, who did she tell? May I say this? If you have a problem with one of your spiritual siblings, just go tell the Father first. Tell Him first. And then He'll tell us what to do about it. Will we have problems with spiritual siblings? Well, yes. Tell the Lord first. You know what? As far as I can tell, Mary and Martha never got in a fight. You know why? Because Martha had a right relationship with the Savior. She went and told him, and he told her what the score was. That brings us to our final point, and that's her correction. Verses 41 and 42. And Jesus answered and said unto her, I can almost hear it, Martha, Martha. You know, when I hear that, it tells me it must have been a pattern of Martha's life. Martha, Martha. Ah, he speaks to her as a father would to a daughter. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. It's amazing how crystal clear the Word of God is. He immediately diagnoses what's wrong with her. We know that the Lord spoke and preached and taught much against carefulness. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he said, take no thought. In Matthew 6.31, he said, take no thought. In Matthew 6.34, he said, take no thought. And in Matthew 10.19, he said, take no thought. You think the Lord wants us to be careful and worried? I've come to the conviction in my life, when I am fretting and careful, I am in sin. Period. Doesn't matter how justifiable my fret and worry. Look, there are some things that are that are... Big issues that are on my heart and my mind every day. The concerns as to how people's lives are going to turn out. Is this one going to get saved? Is this one that is battling whether or not they're going to, they're saved, but are they going to live for the world? Are they going to live for God? Look, these are big burdens. Shouldn't we worry over things like that? Whether people are going to get saved or whether or not some young person is going to wreck their life in sin? Isn't that worth worrying over? No! <laughs> Carefulness is sin. Christ spells it out ever so clearly that carefulness is unbelief. You know why Martha was careful? Careful why she was fretful? Because she was not living according to His will. She was at this moment living according to hers and asking Him to bless it. 
And that's carefulness. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing except the extremely important issues of life. And what it says? Be careful for nothing, but in everything. By prayer, ah, uh, isn't, isn't that what cured Martha? By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So Martha's correction, first and foremost, it was personal. It was personal. He didn't say, let me give this broad principle and hopefully Martha will catch on. He says, Martha, Martha. He speaks to her personally. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He says he called, in John 10, he calls his sheep by name. May I remind you tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ, our living Savior, knows how to specifically speak to us concerning our own personal needs. He doesn't just give broad messages. He knows how to take a message that is preached and speak your name and say, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Where, where you think, God is talking to me. You walk in with circumstances that there's no way the preacher could know about. You walk in with a question in your mind. You could verbalize that question. You could write it down. And in the sermon, in the message, or in your Bible reading, there is an answer to your specific question. It is as though the Lord is saying, Martha, Martha, Nevin, Nevin. Does he not know how to, to call our name and directly deal with our needs? But you know what? You know, I believe Martha had such privilege of the Lord speaking so personally to her because she had received him and because she had her, that was the attitude of her heart. Her heart was open to him no matter what. If it was a word of correction or a word of commendation, Martha had the right heart toward Jesus Christ. I've seen people who have put their trust in Christ. They trust him. They love him and get out of kilter spiritually. And what the Lord will give comfort in is, you know what, oh, hey, don't, don't be too hard on that person. You speak the truth to them, and if you do, they will be corrected because they love me. You with me? You know what, if, you'll just, if you will love the Lord, it will fix everything else. It will fix everything else. Martha, Martha, it's a personal correction. It is, number two, a precise correction. Uh, Titus was told, I believe in Titus chapter 3, to rebuke sharply those that were in error. Titus chapter 1. It says, wherefore rebuke them sharply. How many of you think of a sharp rebuke? You think of somebody saying some you know, very unkind thing about, well, something like this. Braden, you're always like that. You're just always hard to get along with. That is not a sharp rebuke. That is a blunt, stupid thing to say. A sharp rebuke would be, this is what you did, and this is specifically what's wrong with it, and name it from the Word of God. Right? That A sharp rebuke is very pointed. The Lord gets very pointed with Martha. He says, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Meaning, Martha, I am in your home. I am in your home but you are all wrought up. My presence is not affecting your heart the way it should. You're careful. and You know what? Christ did not come into your life to make you careful and troubled about everything. Did he? Now that the Lord is my Savior, I've got to worry about doing everything right. Isn't that, isn't that the effect the law had on folk? 
But if Christ is my Savior, I can rest in Him. Not only to secure my soul, but to direct my steps. I can rest in Him to provide for whatever He wants done. If He wants me to... to, Look, if Jesus and 12 men came into Martha's house and she didn't have enough groceries in the cabinet, do you think He might be able to fix that? He fed 5,000 folk plus. Not a problem for Him. If He wants us to do something for Him, He will fund the bill. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. How are we going to serve God? How are we going to afford to serve God? How are we going to afford to, to support our missionaries? How are, we going to afford to, how are we going to afford to stay in church? How are we going to afford the gas to go to church? Look, He's the one who told you to go. He'll put gas in your tank. There may be days he tests that faith, but if he tells you to do something, he will provide. He is whether it is whether it, it is a physical provision, a financial provision, or if it is spiritual wisdom provision, whatever it is. Martha's careful and troubled about many things, and the Lord says, "I don't want you this way. You you are careful and troubled, Martha. That is wrong." His correction is personal. It is precise. By the way, do you think others were hearing it? Well, Mary's at his feet. I would say this. If we complain to the Lord openly, our correction must come openly. Right? If we show our distress over being in his service, then that's the way that the correction must come. She challenges him there, and he responds, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But you know the Lord's correction is not just rebuke. It is also uh, it, correction and instruction in righteousness. Reproof and rebuke are only half the equation. Reproof and rebuke convince us of what is wrong. How many of you have ever seen what's wrong with you, but you don't know what to do that's right? I'm glad for the Word of God that not only shows me where I'm wrong, but shows me what to do instead. It corrects me and instructs me. He says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Just, just one. And Mary hath chosen that good part the very person that you're upset with is actually doing the right thing, Martha, and you need to learn from her. You thought she needed to get up and learn from you, but you actually need to learn from her. Now, you see, uh, that which Mary hath chosen, she's chosen that good part. She has chosen to prioritize my word. She has chosen when I am speaking to stop everything and listen to what I have to say. You think that's wise? When was the last time God spoke clearly to you personally and with precision? Now, is it possible that he was speaking, but we were so busy with our lives we weren't listening? Is it possible we were so busy trying to build a life that would impress him that we didn't listen to what pleases him? Mary chose to prioritize his word above everything else. You see, we said at the beginning of the message, if Mary was sitting at his feet hearing his word, that means Jesus was talking. While Jesus is speaking, saying things of eternal significance, how much did Martha hear? None. Too busy. He's running hither and yon, trying to be the right kind of person, and that's fine. I think her heart was absolutely in the right place. As far as, far as she loved the Lord, she had trusted the Lord, But she needed correction. And the reason she was troubled and the reason she was careful is because she had the wrong priorities. Things were out of... Let me ask you something. Do you think had she sat at Jesus' feet, she would have lost her opportunity to serve him? 
No, she would have just been informed as to how to do it. And I believe this. You cannot over-prioritize this book. You cannot. You cannot over-prioritize not just the reading of it, but the listening of what God is saying to you personally with precision through it. How many of you know if you read this book with a hungry heart, you're going to get some instruction? Will it instruct your attitude? Will it instruct your conduct? Will it instruct the tongue and the mind? But all too often, we're busy trying to build lives to impress Him rather than listen so that we may please Him. Martha was busied about, careful and troubled, but Mary said, you know what? When He's speaking, I'll drop everything to listen. How many have ever been guilty of this? Um, You're doing something for someone... Uh, I, I just say, with my wife and I, there's been times, oh, I'm busy, I'm going to do something, I got something. And she's talking to me, and she says something and waits for an answer, and I go, I'm sorry, what did you say? How many of you know when someone is speaking and they are bearing their heart to you, and you do not listen, it offends? I got news for you. This is between my wife and I. She would rather I listen intently to what she has to say than that I would go out and buy her some extravagant thing. Now, every woman may not be that way. But when I listen intently to what she has to say, you know what I'm saying to her? I love you enough to listen to you. May I say this? It's the way it works with our God. He is ready and willing to speak. But we have to make sure we're put. You know what? When you're sitting down at his feet and you're doing nothing else, you know what Mary, you know what Mary was doing? Simply listening. He was speaking. She was listening. You know, I believe this. One of the reasons the Lord says when you pray, you go into your closet and pray to your Father which is in secret. One of the reasons I believe we need to do that is so we can listen. When we, when we get alone with the Lord, we need to be alone so we can listen. Put aside the distractions. And may I say this. If we want to be the kind of Christian we're supposed to be, and if we want to be the kind of church we're supposed to be, We must make listening to his word the one thing. Because when he speaks, listen, serving the Lord is not doing for him what impresses me. It is doing for him what pleases him. Let's let's give you one more illustration. I'll try to wrap this up. Let's say, um, oh, I'll just keep picking on Jenny Beth and I. If... She wanted to buy me a new deer rifle for Christmas. That would impress me. So what I'll do is I'll buy her a new deer rifle for Christmas because I know that's what I would like. Right? You ever done this for somebody? You buy them what you know you would like, and they go, oh, uh, thank you. I think. I appreciate the thought. Thank you very much for whatever. Sometimes we do for the Lord what impresses us, not what impresses Him. And we expect Him to be impressed with our service when what He says is, what I want is just one thing. I want your undivided attention and affection. And if He's got that, He'll have the rest. Truth? If I'm listening to His Word, then when He says, go, I'll go. You see, the servant moves at the Master's command. And that's where Martha had it out of kilter. Mary understood that. And the Lord says, Martha, I'm not willing 
to take from Mary what she's get. She has chosen my word over everything else, and I'm not going to take that away from her. Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away. And Martha, you need to do the same thing. Now go to John 12, if you would. John 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, uh, Beware ye... I'm in Luke 12. I thought, what? This is not where I'm supposed to be. John 12. I went two pages over. John 12. Give me just a moment. I'll be there. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. I just want to say this. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The Lord rebuked Martha pretty sharply in Luke 10 and in John 11 when he says, you know, she says, Lord, by now he stinketh. He said, did I not tell you if you believe you see the power of God? Martha, I already talked to you about this. You know what? He rebuked her pretty sharply. And you know what she kept doing? Serving him. May I say this? The perfect Christian life is not one that never needs correction. It is one that when the Lord says, what I want from you is you to listen to me. That's what's actually needful. One thing, listen to my word. Boy, sometimes we find a lot of substitutes for that, don't we? I'll do this for the Lord, and I'll do this for the Lord, and I'll give more, and I'll do more, and I'll take more missions trips. You know I'm all for missions trips, but you know what? Don't go on a missions trip if the Lord didn't tell you to. Right? But if he did tell you to do something, and you already know it, Just listen to his word and obey. That's what he wants. He wants our heart completely in tune with him. How about it tonight? Have we, you know what Mary did? The Bible says that she chose that. Do you think Mary didn't feel the pressure of Martha to leave the word of Christ to go get busy with her? Sure she did, but she made a choice. May I say, you have a choice tonight. Oh, life is busy. We met a man today. I never cease to be amazed how God gives illustrations out door knocking. Met a man today. He said he claimed to be saved, so he's trusting in Christ. And I'm going to give him John and Romans, and he took it. I said, do you have a Bible? Oh, we probably have five of them. I said, are you reading them? He said, boy, you know, no, not really. With times like they are, I'm about right. So basically, in the busy times we live, we just don't have time. And I said, may I, may I just say, that's why you should be reading your Bible. What he was saying is, I don't have time to listen to the Lord And I'm afraid we get in the same place. If we're so busy, we don't have time to hear him from the word of God, to hear him in preaching. There are those too busy to come to church. I'm preaching the choir tonight, but they're so busy, can't come to church. That's too busy. Amen? Too busy. Mm -hmm.